Hi, I'm Lucy Townsley, and I specialize in helping women in all areas of their life. So if it's the beginning of your cycle, trouble with your periods, going on to trying to get pregnant, um, or if you're having any difficulties with pregnancy, going on to having your babies, because sometimes we need a lot of support in that area as well, and then moving into perimenopause and menopause. And today I'm joined by Nicola. She is a doula coach. Um, and I'm going to let her tell you all about this amazing thing that you can have done. Um, but also, what I must, I always get to say this, if you can either follow or subscribe to the channel would be brilliant. So welcome to the podcast. Tell me a little bit more about what you do. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very honoured to be on your podcast. Um, so I am a birth and postnatal doula. And what that actually involves is that through pregnancy, labor and birth and into the postpartum period, I will be your guide. I'll hold your hand. I look after you. Um, so with um, pregnancy, what we do is um, I will help you draw up a birth plan. I um, discuss labor, stages of labor, positioning for labor, um, we look at pain coping techniques, what to expect, how I can support you and your partner. And um, my goal is to give you the most amazing positive birth experience that, that you can have, no matter how your birth unfolds, whether it ends up being exactly to your birth plan, or if it's changed along the way, um, you can still have a birth that you enjoy and are grateful for and are happy with how it unfolded, even if you end up having a cesarean that you didn't want. So I, I don't have any preferences of, I'm only working with natural women who want to birth in the forest with um, chanting and things like that. Whatever the mom wants is, um, is how I will support her. I'm not here to change her mind. I'm just there to um, give her evidence-based information and to support her and her wishes and to protect that birthing space. Um, so I, I do actually see myself as a bit of a fairy godmother, like um, Cinderella's fairy godmother who wished that she could go to the ball and just sat there with her teeth thinking, oh, I wish I could go to the ball. And then all of a sudden the fairy godmother appeared and she made her wishes come true with a bit of magic and, and some understanding. Um, and that's how I see myself as a doula. Um, in the postpartum period, what I what I do is that I come into the into the family's home, and whatever's needed for that day. So perhaps mom's had a really tough night, and baby's been fractious and feeding all night, and all she wants to do is have a long bath and jump into bed. So what I'll do is I'll take baby. She will close the door, let her go and bath, and catch up on some sleep. I'll look after the baby. Perhaps I'll bring her some breakfast or a, a healthy, nutritious lunch after she's woken up. Um, whatever's needed for that day. You know, maybe she's really behind on the laundry. So I'll pop in a load of washing for her and maybe make a meal for the family at the end of the day. So just practically being on hand postpartum is just helps them transition to motherhood, and all the responsibilities that were there before. So that's basically what I do in a nutshell. 
that's amazing because you know when you come home with your new baby and your first bit especially the first time especially because I would treat a lot of uh, new moms that have gone through IVF or IUI to have their babies and you know they they come in and then they I remember when I was handed Hannah at the hospital door and she's 25 now and coming down the steps and going okay <laughs> <laughs> what do I do now? What am I meant to do now? Where are my qualifications? Yeah, there's no book. They don't send you with the booklet of no. things, but that support that you would give a, a new mom is massive, huge, I would say. Yeah. I would love if I had that, if I'd known about it. When I know, I know. Unfortunately, um, here in Northern Ireland, um, postpartum care isn't that um, widely accepted. I think, um, you know, women are meant to be perceived as being strong and independent and I can do this all. But, you know, 20 years ago, there was such a strong sense of community where community would help. You know, mom and dad were maybe living next door or in the same street and they'd be able to give that support. And that support system is becoming so sparse right now you know, families are dis dispersed all over the globe and there's nobody to support a new family. So mom's struggling there all by herself and she doesn't have that, that support system. And then asking for help is like, I can't ask for help. What's everyone going to think that I'm not coping? So, you know, sometimes we need to reframe our thinking and think, well, I'm not coping. Maybe the strength is actually having the courage and admitting that and looking for help out, out somewhere else resourcing it yeah so. it is actually because um i'm going back to me again and you you told me you have three children but i remember coming out of that hospital and i lived in southern ireland and my family were all over in the uk and my partner his parents uh had both weren't, weren't around anymore they were both dead so i had no support and yeah. i just had this tiny baby and my partner was back to work and I was at home and I found being at home alone um, really hard. You know, even mm -hmm. I remember the first time I took Hannah out in the boggy, we lived in Cashel. And I remember going down the street with her as a little tiny baby and um, like every bump in the pavement, I was really scared I was damaging her. Oh, you know what I mean? Just that the bumping in the of the pavement. I was like, who makes these pavements so rough? And up and down the, but it was really, it was terrible. The, you know, and I was trying to cushion her in, but it's just not knowing that. Especially that, with your first. Yeah, exactly. The first time. And it is about, uh, yeah, trusting that you can do it right, but it's. Yeah. And I think, I think that, um, that trust has been, or that our, our instinct has been so, silenced by social media and what everyone else is doing um, that, that we don't trust our instinct. Um, and it's just learning to quieten that background noise and trusting what, what your inner voice is telling you to do because it's inside you. You really know what to do. You really do. Um, you know, I remember being so, I remember with my first being so angry that I wasn't warned that this is really hard work and it's overwhelming and baby can cry all night and you still got to carry on the next day. I was so angry that I wasn't warned about this. 
And I think, you know, you look back in hindsight, I mean, my, my eldest is 25 and, um, and it's like, a, you know, three months, those first three months are so intense, but in, in the whole span of 25 years, it's like goes in a flash and we forget um, how intense those first few weeks can actually be. Do you think it's something that we, I remember when it happened to me and everyone goes, oh, welcome to the club, no more sleep. And oh, you know, the negative, a bit of a negative connotation to having a new baby. And it can put fear, you know, there's a fear that people have then if they are trying to get pregnant. Is this going to, you know, is this is going to be it? Am I not going to get sleep anymore? Or, you know, because of the, that, maybe media or even your friends telling you how or even the silence of it I remember a friend uh or actually either a friend or a client I can't remember now telling me that how a bit like you angry was she was that her friends didn't share with her how hard this was going to be yeah but it was something she had to figure out herself yeah and and I think also some people are just they want to make a good impression. Like I'm a really good mom and my baby's sleeping through at two weeks, you know, and it's like really just get rid of all the lies and just be real, be authentic and, you know, share your journey as you're going through it. You don't have to put on this big bravado. I mean, don't go and tell all and sundry that it's, you know, it's terrible, but I mean, your close, your close support system and your closest friends and your family, let them in and tell them that it's really difficult or you really wanted to breastfeed and, and it's not working. You've got cracked nipples and it's so painful and, um, you know, you're mm. needing extra support. Yeah. Um, you know, don't, you know, maybe, maybe the mom wants to breastfeed and everyone's saying, well, it's not working and it's painful. Why don't you just put baby on the bottle? And it's like inside her, she just wants somebody to say, you're doing a really great job. Push through a little bit longer try until the end of the week or let's get a breastfeeding consultant in or, you know, know your options. Yeah, someone to help. So when is the best time if um, someone who is planning on getting pregnant or is pregnant that they they contact you for this? When do they start working with you? So um, I'd say, you know, pregnancy, you become so much more aware of your pregnancy when you've had your scan when you've had your checkup um you know the first trimester you might be feeling absolutely rotten struggling with morning sickness and tiredness so i would recommend that people start looking for a doula in their second trimester um mm. so you know don't that leave it don't leave it like 12, 12 weeks past 12 weeks and that 12 after 12 weeks you recommend it the, um i would say maybe 15 weeks, 15 weeks, 15 weeks. Well, I mean, it's really, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I've, I've had people, you know, contact me and saying, Oh, my baby's due in a month. Am I too late? Um, and it, you know, if I've got a gap in the diary, then that's absolutely fine. I can, I can work with you all. Or even if it's like, I, my, my partner's got COVID, please, can you come and do last minute support? Um, but it's best that you can develop a relationship of trust and, even, you know, just friendship that develops um, between the two of you so that, you know, that you as the client are able to trust me as the doula that what, you know, the advice and the suggestions that I'm, I'm giving you are to benefit you. Um, 
so we, you know, second trimester, we start working together and then uh, at 38 what, weeks, sorry. What, sorry, I'm interrupting you. What type of help do you do for them in that, in those, in the, say like the second trimester? What would you say, say I came to you, no, I'm not having any more babies, okay? <laughs> that's what I'll say. <laughs> I've done my bit. <laughs> I have three, that's plenty. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so if I was Im imagining I was pregnant again, I can imagine PJ's horror um, <laughs> that we're having another baby. Um, I'd come to you. So what would what would happen? What would be the process? So you'd reach out to me and say, I'm interested in having a doula. So I'm like, that's great. Let's get together. So it would be virtually or over a coffee. And uh, it's really important that we click, you know, because we, you know, I'm coming into such a sacred and holy space. You as the person who's hiring the doula really need to like the person opposite the coffee table or across the screen, really need to um, like that person. You know, if you feel, oh, mm, don't like the way they talk or they're a bit too brash or they're a bit too quiet, whatever it might be, um, you've got to like that person. So if you don't like the first doula that you are interviewing, really look around and see, you know, I'd like to interview a couple of doulas and see who really resonates with me. And then on signing a contract, um, I am available to answer any of your concerns or queries. Uh, I've got books that I can lend you. Um, and then I give you two, uh, two, uh, two, two hour sessions where we will go through a birth plan. We'll look through stages of labor, what they feel like, what I can do for you, what you should be doing. Um, we'll look at the hormones of birth and how to facilitate oxytocin and reduce the adrenaline. Um, we will look at the golden hour, establishing breastfeeding, if that's what you're wanting, um, and then looking at your postpartum plan, because so often um, it's like a wedding. We look at the wedding day and we're planning everything and we're throwing all the money into the wedding, but we haven't prepared for our, our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and so often it's the same with, with having a baby. We look at the birth, but we don't have any plans for our postnatal period. Um, and then I go on call um, at 38 weeks. So I make sure that I, there's nothing, you know, nothing big on my schedule. I make sure I'm going to bed early. I'm not eating curries and garlic, um, not drinking any alcohol, uh, you know, my bag's ready and packed at the front door. And when you feel that you're going into labor and you're needing my support, you just pick up that phone no matter what time and I'll come over to you and um, help you through your birth and la uh, your labor and your birth. I'll... Would you be there during the birth? Yes. Yeah. So I'll work with the midwives um, in a very respectful relationship, work with a partner so whenever I have an interview and if the partners come along, it's very important for me to say to the partner, I'm not here to replace you. I'm actually here to, you know, it's such a, an, a great opportunity for intimacy to deepen between the two of you that my job's not to take away from that. It's to bring him in and encourage him to be supporting you as best that he can, because he knows his partner so well and so intimately. And I know birth 
so well and so intimately that we can work synergistically um, and bring in our strengths. So where he's strong, I might be weak. And where he's weak, I'm going to be strong. And we bring that energy and it's exacerbated, it's, it's intensified, it's exponential. Um, so, um, yeah, so I'll definitely be in the birthing room. Um, wow, that's amazing. You're there to see all these beautiful babies coming oh, in. It is just the most incredible, honoring, humbling experience. It re- it's just such a sacred thing. And I just feel so honored and blessed to be in that space. I'm not surprised. (laughs) It's something, again, that I work with with patients who um, I work three weeks with them before birth. So um, I've done a course. Well, I've studied uh, what Deborah Betts does. She's a midwife in Australia and she uses acupuncture to uh, soften the cervix. So it helps to... um, there's been several studies done, so it increases labor, sorry, decreases labor time by an hour and it reduces the section rate. It's quite, it's a powerful treatment to have. Now you're not actually, you know, you can work with induction as well with acupuncture, but this is just working to get you ready to deliver your baby so that you're in a very good you know, healthy uh, way. It's very, it's, it's pretty amazing. And as an acupuncturist, you can tell, where you know if the time is coming you can't do the exact day but you know yeah when I've had ladies in I'm like no your baby is not not ready no absolutely you know straight away or yes your baby is going to be along here in in not you know in a few you know a few days time you can't tell the exact time yeah days time and I think that's another thing that's very hard is the due date and I know in France they give them a, a window of two weeks and here it's a day so when your day comes especially the first time if yeah. you've gone early it's fine but if your day comes nothing happens it's like oh. and then everybody's phoning you and putting pressure on you have you gone into labor have you had your baby and that just makes all the stress hormones increase and then you yeah. don't want you know then your body's not ready to have a baby no i mean the majority of people i think five three or five percent of babies are born on their due date. So the best thing to do on your due date, on your estimated due date, is to make plans because you, you're probably not going to have your baby on that day. That's um, great and, advice, actually. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the pressure of, okay, well, you know, 40 weeks, you know, we need to bring you in for a stretch and sweep. And it's like, don't. You, you don't have to go in and have an induction you don't have to go in and have a stretch and sweep you know if you look back and you and you study induction that whole in uh, sorry the, the estimated due dates uh, that was developed or discovered in the 1800s and it was on a woman's 28 day cycle and she had to be ovulating on day 14 and how many women actually have a 28 day cycle and they're that regular and are ovulating on day 14 it's not a lot of people. So it really does, it really should be a window of time, you know? Uh, so if you're, if you don't want to have um, interventions and inductions and stretches and sweeps, you can say no. At the end of the day, it's your body, it's your birth, and you can say, no, thank you very much. Um, 
there is a fear of that because I if I I, mean, I can imagine now I'm lucky all my babies came early so I never I think Hannah was a day early but I was in hospital I had to get induced because I had toxemia at the end of my pregnancies oh. so it was more for health reasons like, like there was a risk to baby and my health so um and James came two weeks early and Amber came a week early so for me I didn't have that fear of doing the sweep but I ended up with sections um for some reason just didn't dilate that just didn't happen for me so they you know I tried two times <laughs> to have them normally but ended up with sections and then my third baby you don't get a choice you have to go for a section and funny enough that made me way more scared going in even though she I went into labor again myself with Amber um I was really scared going in for the section because the other ones were more emergencies now they weren't completely crazy emergencies but they were just like we have to get the baby out now you're not nothing's happening nothing's here progressing. nothing's progressing so it was just for a safety of baby and me so that was fine and it felt more natural I know that sounds crazy going for a second it felt more natural but with Amber I knew it was planned and oh I was I remember going in and I remember with PJ with me and I was like why are you shaking so much and he goes oh. it's not me shaking it's, it's you, you. I was like, what? I thought it was him shaking, but my whole body was shaking wow. going in. I suppose when, they, when, they, when you've got the date set on the calendar, it just comes closer and closer and, and your brain plans, plays tricks on you and, mm. you know, puts questions and doubts and, and fear inside you. And then yeah. that, that whole fear cycle just perpetuates. Yes. So then, so the ladies that go over, it's just to trust yourself, trust your instincts is what you're yeah. saying. And trust your body. You know, you've been designed to give birth and your baby and you need to work together um, for, for that to, to happen. And it's actually the baby that releases a hormone from its lung or from its lungs saying, OK, I'm ready to start breathing air into, you know, into my lungs. And it releases a hormone that causes your uterus to contract, which causes more oxytocin, uh, causes oxytocin to be released, causing your uterus to contract. Um, so it's actually waiting until the baby's ready and mature enough. And it's trusting that your baby knows what to do. I mean, we've never heard of women being pregnant forever, you know, so. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I say to my clients, you know, you're pregnant for, for eight months and a year, because that last month really does drag. And, you know, everybody's so anxious to have this baby out and, you know, you put on a clock and, and if we just stop looking at clocks and trust mother nature and the way our bodies are meant to do what they're meant to do, there'd be so far less interventions and one intervention leads to another intervention. And then you've got this snowball effect where you've just, you're just heading on the cesarean route. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is true. It is true, yeah. actually. And then, and I think um, cesareans were advertised a little bit by the media and stuff as being kind of, you know, like the posh way to have a baby, which it isn't really. Because I know myself, it, it, you do take a, a much longer time to recover. And yeah. then because you have that cesarean I mean, my scar is very small, it's only tiny, but it does loosen 
your that all that muscle tone which has an effect on your pelvis and different areas so it Absolutely. does and it's something yeah. that I've had to work on to get strong again because I would be you know it would twist quite a lot yeah I mean it's major surgery that you've that you've gone through I mean you know to get to your uterus um you know they don't cut the muscle but they've got to get it out the way I mean it's it really is major surgery and you know you're not meant to be picking up more than 10 pounds that's five kilograms your baby is 375 and then the baby carrier you know that you shouldn't be carrying that around um we do do that unfortunately yeah and life goes on you know some people have still got you know they've got other toddlers and toddlers need to be reassured and they want to be picked up and a mother can't not do that so yeah the recovery from a cesarean is is big it is big and it's more natural to give birth um in a natural way actually it's better for the baby isn't it when it gets pushed out of the uterus yeah with all the the fluids from the vagina and the it does some you know it switches on mechanisms as it's pushed through the uterus that's probably something that you would know more about than me yeah i mean and then the whole um microbiome and you know seeding your baby with all the good bacteria through natural childbirth is only just you know we're only just starting to scratch the surface of the benefits of that Mm. so so what kind of birth plans would um you typically have what, what is it is it varied or is it it's how's... totally it's totally unique to each to each client you know um they might they might do a hypnobirthing course and they want nobody to touch them they don't want you know they don't want questions asked to them they want everybody to refer to their partner um others might want you know to have music playing and they want to have a dance party and it wants you know they're wanting it to be fun and you know mom's wanting to move and boogie and so they really are so different and unique as each as each person who comes in so really is just looking at all the options that are available and saying oh well yes i like the idea of of water as um as a pain coping technique and I, I'd like to birth my baby in water or I, I want to give birth you know I don't want to give birth on my back I don't want to be on all fours or uh, I want my husband or partner to catch the baby you know so it's really it really is unique and to each client and whatever whatever suits them and um, how does the water how does the water help you with pain well the, all my babies were water babies. So I've got three mermen. Um, <laughs> so water, just the warmth of the water is just so comforting. And then I'm sure that you know that when um, when we're close to water, we automatically relax because there's so many positive ions around the surface of, of water. And then just getting into that warm water is just so comforting and you become weightless. So, you know, you... I just found that when I got into the water, um, my labor progressed very quickly and intensified, but I was buoyant and I was, uh, I, I didn't feel that, that pressure um, that I was feeling on land. Um, so it's just, it was just very comforting. And then also uh, nobody could reach me. And so I wasn't having vaginal examinations or anything like that. So I just felt very protected and, and comforted and soothed in the water. 
Um, but it's not for everybody. Uh, some people just were like, you know, I spoke to my last client was like, no, I want to, I don't want to be around water at all. I, I think that that would just make me feel a bit claustrophobic. So, you know, it is a personal thing, but uh, water birth is, is an incredible option. What about home birthing? Because I remember um, a client last year, actually, she was, um, she's had a baby now, a little girl. She was very nervous because it was the time of lockdown and what, at that time, partners weren't allowed in. Now, this was the beginning. So um, I think in the end, her partner was allowed in for the last hour. And it was very difficult for it. it was very, very difficult, very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did, I said, what about a home birth? Because they live very close to a hospital so that if things weren't right, they could go in. And it was no, that was, it was just like, no. Really? So he said mm-hmm. no, or the hospital said no. Both, both. <laughs> he, he wasn't up for it at all. He would have been very scared for her. And then she just said, no, no. Okay. Well, if, if the client is, it feels like that, then home birth, you know, for birth to progress, you need to feel safe, secure, and loved. So if she did not feel secure at home, her labor wouldn't progress well. So she wouldn't have been an ideal candidate for home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, home births since COVID have skyrocketed. They've gone through the roof. Um, so I think... I think home births are beautiful. Um, you know, you're in your, your own environment. You can, you know, make your birth environment beautiful. You can turn off the lights. You can put on fairy lights and candles and have affirmations all over and photographs of your children or beautiful places that you've been to. You can obviously take those with you to your birth environment. If you're in a hospital, you can do that, of course. Um, and home birth is no uh, more dangerous. It is, it's a, it is a safe option if you are not contraindicated with, you know, let's say you've got high blood pressure or um, you need in, you're needing an induction or you under consultant care because of complications. Um, but if you've got no complications, then it's a, it's a wonderful option and it's a safe option. It's the same as it's the risk factor is the same as if you were in a midwife led unit. Um, and the midwives are trained to deal with emergencies and they can see, you know, when you're in labor, you don't just get a, all of a sudden, Oh, this is an emergency. We need to give you a section. There's a gradual progression and the midwives will be able to see, okay, labor's not progressing. It's slowed down. Um, we needing to give an oxytocin drip or something like that. So hospital transfer would be, would be called for then. Um, So, you know, emergencies don't happen at the click of a finger. There is a gradual progression to that, um, that the midwives would be trained to see and be aware of. That's huge, actually. I think that's a big one. I think for for a lot of people, it would be the fear of that they needed to get, like, say, a section straight away. Yeah. You know that something was wrong. But it's lovely to hear that it's more of a progression that the midwives would be aware of it, and you'd have time to get to a hospital if you yeah. needed to. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That because I know a, a client again who had home births, and she 
she had um, her first baby. She had four, four babies, first two in hospital and the last two at home. And she said that on hindsight, if she'd known how lovely it was to have them at home, she would have had them all at home. Yeah, it's, I mean, it really, it changes the whole dynamic. <clears throat> you know, midwives are really hand off, hands off. Um, they leave you, I mean, I, I've been to home births and they, you know, um, if, the, if the mom doesn't want any interventions or whatever, the midwives leave the room. You know, they'll be sitting in the kitchen filling out their pages and pages and pages of notes. Um, and they'll be coming in to monitor the baby every 20 minutes or so. Um, and they leave you to it. And, you know, if, if, you, if you're wanting a midwife to be with you and you're wanting that support, you know, then obviously she's going to honor what you do. So mm-hmm. your home births are just so beautiful. They really are amazing. Wow, something I, I never even thought of myself, I'll be honest. I just was quite happy. Well, I had to go in hospital earlier before Hannah. So I just, it was just the progress that happened for me. It was the way it happened. Yeah. But there is a very important stage. And again, it comes from a Chinese, it's a Chinese medicine philosophy is, you know, when you, the mother has had the baby, it's about. Uh, feeding the mother you know not um I don't mean like junk food or cakes and that stuff it's about nourishing the mother so that she recovers her energy and um they do a treatment called uh, mother warming which again nourishes back the womb helps the womb contract back um and it's about resting that that two weeks of resting and that yeah. someone else you feed your baby but everything else is taken care and of for you absolutely yeah i mean there's a brilliant book called um the first 40 days um it's by a chinese lady heng Wu. it's h-e-n-g and mm-hmm. her name is o-u and she talks exactly about this um i i would not be able to pronounce what it is zoo i can't i can't pronounce (laughs) (laughs) um but it's it's basically that it's putting the mother to bed and giving her warm nourishing foods um and they you know in chinese and a lot of eastern um traditions they do a lot of belly binding just to bring everything back into into its pre-pregnancy state yes um and it it, it is a beautiful thing i mean in um, in the Netherlands, uh, they're given a doula from the state for two weeks. Um, really? Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's so, fantastic. Yeah, because we, you know, I, I say to my clients, right, you need to be resting. I try and encourage them to stay in their pajamas for a week and stay in bed for a, for a week, and then you know, just make sure that they're resting every day. But in the Western culture, it's busy and there's things to do and people to see. And, and I know it's really it is very true because that resting period not only helps you recover, but it's also very good for your pelvic floor, which you, it's fine when you're in when you're younger and you've just had your baby. But it does affect you like yeah, down, down the line. Yeah, it really does. And I can say that it does. I, you know, but you, and you can work on it. And I have a podcast about that as well. Um, with Louise so it, there's something that, that you can work on but it does affect you so that you know that those two weeks after you've had your baby are 
so important and you're right it is about we're having visitors so we're getting up and making tea and cakes for them and making sure the house is tidy in case someone comes in yeah. and really that time should be rest you know is your rest time and just yeah. say just I think um it's not it's about saying no going no don't please don't visit me for two weeks setting yeah. that boundary absolutely yeah and protecting that space because you know it's also it's a beautiful opportunity for you to be bonding with your baby in bed, breastfeeding, skin to skin, um, you know, just taking your time to discover each other because as much as that you love that baby, it's a stranger and you've got to adjust to each other. And it's like learning to dance with each other and what are your cues meaning and what does that grunt mean and what does that cry mean? And it all takes, it all takes time. It does take time. You're absolutely right. It does take time. So if anyone would like to contact you, I will put the details in underneath uh, the podcast or underneath the YouTube channel. And is there any, well, obviously I'm based in the South of Ireland. Um, People in the South wouldn't, it would be too far, but they could do Zoom calls and stuff with you. Is there a, a network where people can contact different doula consultants? Uh, there is um, so there's doula UK you can look at um, there there is an association in in Ireland and I just can't think of it offhand um, okay. I would have to get back to you on that but they they can contact you anyway anybody can contact oh, please you. do yes uh, I'm happy to answer any questions or point you in the right direction um, happy happy to help but in any way that I can that I can. And there's lo- you've got all those lovely ladies anyway in uh, from the North of Ireland that you'll be helping as well. Absolutely. <laughs> you have been so amazing and I've learned so much today. I didn't know about the lung, how they, that, that hormone is released uh, to start your labor. That's something that I didn't know, which is amazing. And you know, the fact that you can get support through mm your breath and because it's a big scare of people and and you hear the horror stories so it's lovely to hear that it can be a beautiful can be yeah it is you know it is not can be it is a beautiful and it should be yes yeah yeah to go through oh thank you so much thank you really 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 insightful and enjoyable thank you well thank you so much for inviting me and I'm glad we connected yes so am I (laughs) 